Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Hi, I'm Sam Longmore. I run O'Bull Dust. I work with Australian Merino Wool, and this is my Lady Startup story. Lady Startup is a movement that helps women launch and grow their own businesses, big or small, well-established or brand new. If it was founded or co-founded by a woman, it's a Lady Startup. And this is Lady Startup Stories, a podcast where female entrepreneurs answer nosy questions from me, Mia Friedman, about the fist-pumping moments when you're winning and the deep troughs of pain when things go wrong. Some businesses are born unexpectedly from tragedies that nobody ever saw coming. When Samantha Longmore was just 20 years old, she was involved in not just one, but two shocking accidents on the same day. Her life would never be the same. Things got really tough and the road to recovery was so long. With the right side of her body paralysed, Sam had to relearn everything, how to brush her teeth and make a cup of coffee, how to take care of herself in every way. And what about her future? Well, one day sitting at home in Binalong in the southern tablelands of New South Wales, she was so sick of feeling unsure about her place in the world So she made a decision to start a business in the most unlikely and unexpected way. This is the story of that business called O Bulldust. 27th of October, 2013. Most people don't remember what they were doing on that day, but I bet you do. Yeah, I do. I do. It's something that will stay with me probably for the rest of my life. Before you had the accident, can you just give me a little bit of a snapshot about what your life was like? It was typically 20, pretty well. So I was working on a farm five days a week and then working at a nightclub three nights a week. And I was trying to juggle those two and have a boyfriend and have a social life with my friends. And I was also trying to go through the process of getting into the defence force. So I was trying to juggle everything at once, thinking I was superwoman. You're pretty bulletproof at that age, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We all think we are. We all think we can run off no sleep. We all think we can, you know, do absolutely everything and squash everything into one day. And that's what I was trying to do all the time. Tell me about those 24 hours before the accident. So it's funny you say 24 hours because it was actually like three days. As I said, I was working on a farm. So Thursday day, I worked on a farm. I got changed. So I went from farm girl to work behind the nightclub bar dressed up, um, Friday morning PT session in Young, Friday day, work on the farm, Friday night, back to Canberra, work at the nightclub. I'd finish up about anywhere between 3 o'clock in the morning and about 4.30. So I finished up at about 4 o'clock on Saturday morning at the nightclub and I went to a friend's house in Canberra to drive them to the Harden Picnic races on the Saturday. And I was a sober driver, all of that sort of thing. That night they were all hammered. And I thought, what a perfect opportunity for me to go home and get some sleep after I dropped everyone off to where they were going. Um, I got a 
text message and then a phone call from my boss at the nightclub at the time and he asked me to come in for that Saturday night. Why didn't you say no, Sam? I know, I know. And I figured that out the following day, obviously, but I was 20 years old. And at that time, I was trying my best to save money and do everything I can to have a bit of backing behind me for when I went into training with the Defence Force. And um, he said to me, if you don't come in, you no longer have a job. And if you come in, I'll double your wages for the night. So in my head as a 20-year-old girl, absolutely. I had nothing else to do except for sleep. So why not? So I went to work that night and I had the best night at a nightclub I've ever had in my life to this day. So I was sober, serving drinks behind the bar um, at a Sudanese night. I had so much fun. Like, it was unbelievable. So when I left work that morning at about five o'clock, I felt on top of the world. I felt like I had so much adrenaline running through my body. I didn't feel like I barely slept. I didn't feel like I hadn't eaten, all of that. So when I got in my car that morning to drive home, I stopped at Gold Creek service station and got some fuel a bottle of water, a salad wrap, and a new flavour of a fizzer lolly that had come out. And about 15 k's down the road is where I had my accident after that. So the last thing I remember is actually leaving that service station. I'd fallen asleep and um, went off to the opposite side of the road, rolled my car and went through a six-foot pool fence just in front of a tree. What was your next memory? Uh, waking up in hospital. What had so happened in, be- in between those two memories as you later found out <sighs> and someone filled in the pieces for you? Yeah, so I had obviously had my car accident, I'd fallen asleep and crashed my car. And then on the way back into Canberra, into the Canberra hospital after being picked up by New South Wales ambulance, um, the ambulance then had another accident um, on the same stretch of road just back in the ACT. And um, I was then picked up from that accident by ACT ambulance and taken to um, Woden Hospital. So that strikes me as particularly unlucky. Yep. (laughs) Who crashes in an ambulance? Without wanting to make light of it, I I hope that the ambulance drivers were okay. Which accident did the damage or do you not know? Uh, Look, still to this day, how can you depict which one was which? So in my head, it's a matter of this is how I was after my first accident and then this is how I was after my second accident. So obviously I have no memory of that situation. Um, So the witnesses that found me, the people who found me, which I was lucky enough to be found by two nurses on their way home from work and a builder, a man on his way to work, I'm pretty sure, a police officer, and I I think that was it. Um, So they were able to let the authorities know how I presented after my first accident, which was a bit battered and bruised and a bit confused and that sort of thing. And then obviously how I presented at the hospital after that second accident. But the way I see it is it's not a matter of who or why. It's just the fact that it happened. You know, like I fell asleep and crashed my car. Same thing with the ambulance. Accidents do happen, but accidents can be prevented. Uh, obviously, like if I had some sleep, maybe that whole situation wouldn't have happened, but I could have tripped down a gutter and have that same situation happen again. Um, so I don't put the blame on anyone in particular. I've got no hard feelings towards anyone. I just believe what happened happened because it was supposed to happen. I was supposed to be right here where I am today because I can handle this situation. Yeah, I just 
I just believe that. You woke up in the hospital, you had a bit to catch up on. And was it evident straight away what your condition was? Yeah, pretty well. Like, so I've got right side hemiplegia. So I'm paralyzed from um, sort of around my neck down to my toe on my right hand side. So I have no feeling on my skin. I have no movement. Um, It also affects like my bowels and my bladder and everything like that. So straight up, they thought this is a serious spinal injury and so on and so forth. And so there was a lot of putting the pieces of the puzzle together to work out what has actually happened. When you have a spinal injury, does it take some time for them to be able to give you a certain answer about how well you're going to recover or if you're going to recover, how much function you'll regain? Yeah, yeah, it does. And um, if I'm being completely honest, I still haven't received anything along those lines. My journey to recovery has been quite different. I didn't spend time in like a spinal rehabilitation unit or anything like that. I was kind of shuffled around here and there and left to kind of figure it out on my own for a good part of it. You know, I had a a couple of OTs and a little bit of physio in hospital and chucked in a wheelchair and pretty well ushered along. Um, And since then, I've had a couple of surgeries over the last, like it's been six and a half years. Over the last couple of years, I had the whole back of my head and my neck cut open and pieces removed and pressure released. And, you know, I had a syrinx in my spinal cord, which is like a pocket of fluid, which can fill and move and that kind of thing. So we had to take some pressure away from that area. And yeah, I've just been, well, I was just thrown in the deep end. But to be honest, I figured out what I can do, how I can do it. And I think that's helped me progress throughout my life over the last six and a half years is I've had to figure it out. I've had to do this. So it's given me the drive to be able to figure out and do anything that I want to put my mind to. It's not often that a lady startup journey or the path to becoming self-employed starts with the phrase, crapping my dax. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> you were in hospital, you were 20 years old, you were surrounded by family and friends. Sam, what happened? I crapped my dax. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but that must have been horrific. Oh, look, it was and it is because not only did it happen then, but it still happens to this day. I can laugh about it now. And I laughed about it then, obviously. Like I had this, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Everyone get the F out of the room. I just get away from me was the one thing I was thinking in my head, like far out. But if you don't laugh, you cry. And that's how I've been able to get through this whole situation and being able to have people around me that can laugh with me is the best. Starting a business after you've got a spinal injury, how did that happen? Um, I was mentally unwell, obviously. Um, I felt like I had no place in the world that I was living in, which was in the agricultural industry. Um, and And I yearned to be back in that place. I yearned to be back and fully involved in the agricultural industry. And at that time, I couldn't figure out how to physically do that. Um, I grew up quite creative. My mother's quite creative. My father's quite creative in his own way. And I guess I was just born with that creative type gene. So I used to do a fair bit of work in the shearing shed. So working as a rouseabout, and that's where I fell in love with uh, merino wool, the fibre. And I loved it. Like it made my fingernails so soft and beautiful. So I thought one day while I was sitting in our little cottage, what can I do with the knowledge that I have? How can I teach myself more and what can I do with that? And 
I wasn't trying to start a business. I was trying to do something to take my mind off my reality at that time. And um, I saw some wool and I, I taught myself over a period of time how to use that wool, how to knit with that wool with one hand. Obviously, I can't hold two knitting needles. I can't even arm knit. So I created my own knitting method. I Googled until I was blue in the face to try and find something, but come up with no luck. There's not that many people in the world with only the use of one hand that knit. It's so quite a specific I'd, skill. Oh, it really is. It really is. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I sorted that out. I made a scarf and a friend of mine in Vinalong, where I was living at the time, wanted that scarf. So I sold her that scarf. And from there, I saved myself $200. I bought some more wool and I turned that $200 then into $400 because word of mouth, more people in town wanted scarves, wanted things that um, I was making. And that's where it started. It just happened. It kind of just developed on its own. And then I got a bit, you know, a bit more of a roll on and some orders were coming in and I was like, oh God, what do I call myself? And I was heading down our driveway one day. We had quite a long driveway. I had a pretty shit car at the time. And the bulldust on our driveway, because we'd had no rain for quite some time, was just thick and slippery. And it would just get in and wreck everything. So that was my life at that time. I felt like everything was just wrecked. And that's where the name Oh Bulldust come from. The bulldust just pissed me off in that moment. I was living on the farm. I hated our driveway. And yeah, I just, from that stage, things just clicked and Opal Dust was born and I had a little bit of a plan and after selling them things, I'd saved a little bit of money. And Did you need investment? What did you need to start? Like what were the steps that you took? <laughs> Nothing really. Like I don't really know how to explain this situation. I literally sold a scarf, made some money, bought some more wool, worked out how to do that, worked out how to dye it, worked out how to felt it. And honestly, that's how I moved forward with my business. I started building up a bit of money. I created a couple of social media pages. I started gaining a little bit of following. And in the beginning, I had a hard time figuring out whether people liked my stuff because they felt sorry for my story and for me, or whether they liked my stuff because they liked my stuff. How did you um, resolve that in your own head? still resolving that in my head. There are some times where I'm like, yeah, these people just love my stuff because they keep coming back and buying things. But in the next breath, so many people speak to me like they feel sorry for me, which that's how it comes across to me anyway. Do you mean they talk to you like in a patronizing way? Like you're doing so well. You're doing such a good job or you're doing, I don't know, there's a few different scenarios and situations that I find myself in almost feeling like why shouldn't I be able to do this I'm quite capable I'm just as capable as you and you are just as capable as me I would suggest you're a lot more capable than me you've taught yourself how to knit one hand and started a business god damn it <laughs> but when anyone puts their minds to something if they want something bad enough we can all achieve anything anything we want and there's so many different things that people do say to me and I, I hate the phrase you're an inspiration. It makes me feel uncomfortable because don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. You know when when you say, and I've heard this from a lot of people with disabilities, that they just detest the word inspiring. I totally get that it can come across as 
condescending. But I reckon what people often mean, what I would mean if I said it, is motivating. Yeah, if she can do it, why can't I? Yeah, I think it's very motivating. Is motivating okay? Can I say you're motivating? Yeah, look, you can say whatever you want. Absolutely. I'm not going to say a word that you hate. (laughs) Don't want to say you're inspiring. No, but I've heard that thing about inspiring. I think it can also, I understand it can feel a bit infantilizing. It's a bit like, like patting on the head, whereas it's more like, you're a badass. Yeah. Look, I'd rather people be real and raw and honest and say that because why not? Why can't you just walk up to someone and say, yeah, go you? Did you ever think about working for someone else? Uh, Yeah, actually recently. (laughs) Recently I have because I have another pretty shitty situation and that is the fact that I can only use one hand. So when you think about it, I do everything with one hand that you do in your general life with two. But my business requires me to knit with one hand. So I need to look after what I've got going on. So I need to look after my muscles, my joints, my fingers, everything like that. Because I am so young, I need my hand to last me the rest of my life. And recently, over the last six months, uh, my fingers and my wrist have started to hurt a little bit. Not enough to stop me from doing what I'm doing, obviously, because a lot of my knitting as well is um, sort of fine finger work. And yeah, I sort of thought to myself, I need a forward think here. I need to think about what's going to happen in five years time. If I'm as busy as I am now, then I can't throw my hand in the bin just for a beanie, you know, and that's all it is. It is stuff, but it's stuff that is keeping me sane and has kept me sane. And to be totally honest, it's kept me out of a hole in the ground, probably, actually not probably without a doubt. Yeah, so I've applied for 93 jobs in the last eight months. So it's something that I'm thinking about now. Tell me about the connection between identity and self-esteem and, you know, starting a business because there are so many different reasons that people start businesses. It's not always to be, you know, the next household name or make a million dollars. Tell me about what it gives you. It gives me a purpose. And it's given me a purpose. It's given me a purpose for the last five years. It has given me an opportunity to, like I just mentioned, be able to educate others. One, educate them on disability and that we can achieve whatever we want to, no matter your situation. Two, it's given me the opportunity as well to be able to help people who do have mental health problems help them overcome that because I I run workshops as well, teaching people how I knit. But within those workshops, I bring people together, connect them through whatever they find connections in within that room. I teach them that that anything is possible. So that's what Obordust has done for me. It's And it's given me a voice. I was never an outspoken person beforehand. I was never quiet, but I wasn't out in the public or anything like that. And here I am now, People in town respect what I have to say and people ask me for advice in different situations and I I love that I can give that to people. I love that my life's journey so far is helping so many other people around me, whether it's just to get out and do something to try and create a business. I do sit down water skiing as well and I, I love it. Like I can do that and I love to be able to show people that you can do whatever you want whenever you want, if you just have a crack. Like so many people can tell you no 
as many times as they want, but it's up to you. It's how you react to the situation that you're in. That's what will determine the rest of your life. If you do fall in a heap and not give yourself the opportunity, not think positive thoughts, then you can't get up and create that business. You can't get up and educate others and help others and do all of these incredible things that this life has been given to you to do, to achieve. Um, oh, Bulldust has given me so much. It's helped me meet so many incredible people like yourself, Mia, and so many incredible creators. Like there are so many people out here in the bush, especially just having a crack at life, you know, having a crack at, again, trying to put food on their table. We've been in an incredible drought over the last few years and being creative has helped so many people throughout that journey. And it's helped so many people come together. And that's what Obordust has done for me. Um, <laughs> Sam, five fast questions. What um, is the most helpful kind of app or piece of software that you use in your business? This is going to sound so ridiculous, but the calendar app on my iPhone. <laughs> that is not ridiculous. That is very helpful because it's already there. So I can make good use of it. How do you use it? Why is it so helpful? I have the worst memory in the world. And I get so many emails, I get phone calls, like this and that, just add my brother into the situation with school. Your brother, who is 14, has just moved in with you and your partner. Yeah. So you're now like big sister, surrogate mother. <laughs> yeah. Dog mum, businesswoman. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on in your world. No wonder you need the calendar app. Uh, morning routine, don't spare any details. What time do you wake up and what happens from there? Um depending on what day it is, is whether I need to go to the bathroom or not. How many, how many days a week do you go? Uh, it just depends. Sometimes I could go three times a week, four times a day, and that's a number too. <laughs> so it all just depends whether I'm doing that. Otherwise, I'll go straight to the jug and flick it on. Coffee or tea drinker? Oh, coffee. <laughs> what do you have for breakfast? Uh, a shake, maybe some eggs. Some toast, just depending on what I'm feeling in the morning. Um, hang out with my dog and then I kind of just figure it out from there. Like, do I have some knitting I need to do today? Do I need to dye some wool? Do I need to felt some wool? It all just depends. So every morning kind of changes in that sense. Um, but look, if I don't have a copy, it's all hell to pay. Serious, yeah. Do you have a lot of stock already or you make to order or how does it work? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, I always make sure I've got stock on my shelves um, just for situations like COVID-19 has actually been crazy for my business, uh, crazy good. So I've always got stock, but I do make to order as well. Um, and sometimes I just like making stuff because I need to, because I need to make that stuff for myself. Um, for your head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's the biggest mistake you've made in your business with Obal Dust and what did you learn from it? Uh, saying yes too much, and I'm still learning from that. It's hard, isn't um, it? Oh, it really is. It really is. Especially when when my motto in life is to just say yes. If there's an opportunity, say yes. How's that gotten you into trouble? Taking on too many orders by a certain date, so on and so forth, that sort of thing. Um, and then I wouldn't say this has gotten me into trouble, but it's I threw myself in the deep end on one of my sort of very first workshops. Um, so I'd sort of done a couple of workshops and then I decided to do a really big one in Wagga, 50 people. I didn't think I'd sell all the tickets, but I did. And that was the most daunting experience of my life. I had a wine at like nine o'clock in the morning just to 
Usa <laughs> before I started. So, but you got through it, so, right? Yeah, yeah, we got there. We got there. But I know in my head we could have done better. I could have done better. Overcommitting is yeah, something yeah. that's gotten you into trouble. What part of your business and running your business do you hate the most? People that want everything right now. This COVID-19 situation over the last few months has been the perfect example of that, is we live in a world where we expect things so often right now. We want them now all the time. And one, I live in the country, so the post isn't like it is in the city. And two, there were warehouses full of people's parcels that they had ordered. So the postal service in general was just stretched beyond their limits at that time. And people just so demanding. And some people just need to take a breath and realize that this is not the end of the world and not everyone is trying to rip them off. And I wouldn't rip anyone off. What do you love the most about running your business? Funnily enough, the customers. (laughs) So (laughs) in a different sense. So I love going to markets, so handmade markets, because I can have a proper conversation with someone. I can't really connect with people over messages or email. So people coming to me specifically just to have a conversation, yeah, they might buy something, that's fine. I just love being able to have that conversation because it's getting me out of the house, one, and two, people literally come to the markets to have a conversation with me and I love that so much. So that's what I love most and that it's taken me so far throughout in business and throughout my life. It's helped me so much. Uh, Thank you, my friend. I feel highly motivated after our conversation. That's fantastic. (laughs) Too easy. Thank you. Oh, Bulldust, as you heard, sells beautifully made beanies and scarves and throws made from 100% Australian merino wool. We'll put a link in our show notes so that you can check out all of Sam's amazing stuff. And now it's takeaway time. At the end of every episode, I'm going to tell you my biggest aha moment, the biggest nugget of wisdom that I took from the conversation. And with Sam, it's this. It's not just about money. There's so many reasons to start a business. And I think that so often people get caught up with the idea of, am I going to get rich? And the idea of everyone starting a business because they want a staff of 30 people and they want a private jet and they want to be a publicly listed company and they want to be on the rich list. And that's just a myth. I don't know if a lot of women think that. I know a lot of men think that. But the reason that so many women, including me, started their own business was not to get rich. And I'm sure there are much faster ways of getting rich than starting your own business because it might not happen. It might, and there's nothing wrong with your business making money. In fact, the more money women's businesses make, the happier we we all are because we love seeing women doing well. But for women like Sam and for women like Steph Prem, who I interviewed a few episodes back, they both, funnily enough, had horrible personal tragedies and physical accidents that caused them to have to reassess everything about their future and realize that what they thought they were going to go after isn't going to work out anymore. And in actual fact, they need to find meaning in another way. So, you know, Sam was looking to go into the military and Steph was looking to, well, she was a professional athlete and they both had these accidents and lost physical mobility and had a long, long road of recovery. And what they both started a business for was their mental health 
was to give them focus, was to give them something to do, something they could control, something that that would be able to adapt to the shape of their lives. And now it doesn't have to be an accident that causes you to reassess what you thought your future was going to be. I know a lot of women who have reassessed for reasons of mental health, for reasons of having children, for reasons of having children who were then diagnosed with special needs, for having unexpected changes in their personal circumstances. Maybe they lost their partner or their partner became unwell or their partner left. Um, Maybe they had to look after aging parents and suddenly the shape of their work life just did not suit them anymore. All of these can be reasons, really valid reasons, to start a business. One of the most common roadblocks I hear when working with women who want to become lady startups and maybe start a side hustle is that they just don't know where to start. There is so much conflicting info out there and there's also a lot of info out there. So some people get stuck because they don't know where to find the information and some people find lots of information and get completely overwhelmed by it. Uh, There are confusing strategies and everything seems to be a must-have and sometimes it can feel like all the information that you find about starting your own business is in another language. Sometimes even just trying to come up with the idea and setting on that idea and making sure it's the right one can feel completely impossible and just way too hard. The truth is that life can bring you to where you need to be in the most confusing and unexpected ways, like crapping your dax like Sam Longmore did. Whether you feel there's something else out there for you or maybe you found yourself in a place where you have a new, unforeseen, unexpected reality. Not knowing where to start is not something that should stop you from starting your business. As I said earlier in the show, this week we are opening my flagship program, The Activation Plan for Enrolments. And this does not happen often. You can't just do it any time of the year. I only open it for a few days at a time, enrolments, and then I get on with teaching the students and really making sure that I look after them and focus on them. In this course, which is online, you can do it in your own time and at your own pace. I remove the overwhelm and the excuses and teach you the exact step-by-step framework for you to go from idea to launching your own business in as little as six weeks. No confusing marketing tech talk, no counterproductive strategies or shiny object syndrome, just an easy to follow step-by-step system and the core elements that you need to get your idea out of your head and into the world. Hurry though, because enrolments close on Sunday, the 2nd of August. 